0: Hello and welcome to Rockets Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Text Expander and Set app. Uh, and as far as I know, no <laughs> Nothing that was wholesale invented by my wonderful co-host that I am joined by today, uh, Brianna Wu, Executive Director of Rebellion Pack, inventor of false, false podcasts, <laughs> but host, host of a very real podcast, and that's this one, Rocket. I'm also, of course, joined by Christina Warren, Senior Developer Advocate at GitHub. I, myself, am Simone Rochefort, supervising video producer of Polygon.com, and we are here with you today with another week's worth of tech news and conversation.
1: It's going to be a good show this week. Uh, I would like to start the show today by sharing a really embarrassing story with oh, both of you. Can I do this? Okay. Please do. So, okay, so, Christine, you can appreciate this because you come you came from the South, too. So, uh, the movie, did either of you read the book, uh, Where the Crawl Dads uh, Sing? Yes. I okay. have not, but I've heard of it. Okay. So it's basically it's uh look, it it's chiclet. It just is it's good. Uh, it's 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 enjoyable, really though. good. It's really, really good. The movie is really, really good. So um, so I take uh I f- negotiate with my husband. I'm like, come on. <laughs> it's just one I've gone and seen a million more Marvel movies just come see this one movie with me he finally grumbles and agrees so it is the weekend we're out there at the theater it's a bunch of women watching it it's me it's Frank and you know it's it's typical romance movie right it's moving hmm. along you've got the, the sexual tension you've got the right oh. guy you've got the wrong guy and finally you've got uh, like the sex scene that <gasps> happens there and you're just watching it me mean- I'm like crying because it's like emotionally uh, moving at that point and my husband has a different reaction. <sighs> He's in the middle of a movie theater. Oh, no. He lets out this involuntary woo! Oh no. <sighs> <laughs> and everybody <laughs> the Theater just turns around no. and looks at him like he's farted in church it is so oh, bad no. so that's my embarrassing story for the week
0: oh frank. oh frank does he have a defense does he does he get a say in this
1: uh is let him a take the to- stand we'll bring him in we'll put him on trial and see if he's guilty just like in the movie
0: yeah we'll cross-examine him i to be honest i watched uh the thing last night at the alamo draft house and i did not oh, let out wow. a, an involuntary woo but <laughs> there was definitely a moment where i went i like went oh boy out
1: loud so oh, no it's <laughs> like all right called it because i was scared the oh, one from so the 80s cute. or the 2011 remake? Uh, the 80s
0: one. Kurt oh, Russell. That's so oh, so, that's so good. So good. Yeah, it's great. It's so
2: great. Classic.
0: Unbelievably good. Uh, but let's get into this week's news. Uh, top story. That, not really top story. Just a brief update at the top of our show. Uh, the iOS 16 uh, Beta 5... Uh, has produced for us a different battery percentage indication or rather the battery percentage indication has returned to the like regular screen of your iPhone. However... It is different than before previous iterations of the battery percentage indicator appeared next to the battery icons it would say like sixty nine percent ah, nice, and then the little battery with the the fill on it uh, but that was removed for the iPhone 10. of course, it still appears in the control center when you pull down the drop down, which is and it's it's become such a not its non presence has not been an issue for me at all, so I barely noticed that it had disappeared, but I digress. They have brought it back in a way, except this time uh, the number of the battery percentage appears within the battery icon just as a simple, plain number. But because the number is appearing on the icon now, apparently, according to The Verge, the icon no longer changes based on your percentage. So it just looks like a full battery. Yeah, I hate it. The whole time, even if the number says like 10 for 10%, the battery icon looks full. I I also looking at this. I I really do not appreciate it. And The Verge had a follow up article. Uh, an engineering manager from the browser company, Brian Michelle, posted his own mock up of that UI, but in a better way, where like the the number will change color as the battery drops, so that it you know the battery can fill or refill, uh, but the number will still be present and legible without it just looking full all the time. And that, to me, seems so much better. But like, I, I don't know, this just seems like a, a, one, a weird little UI change to make, considering that it's been gone for so long. And I don't know of anyone who has been incredibly upset by its disappearance.
2: I mean, I was upset by the disappearance, but I also got used to it. And then I have to think that for the people who don't have a phone with a notch, which, uh, you know, are still people who might be using, like, an iPhone SE or, or like, a, a you know, a, an 8 or, you know what I mean, like, people who don't have a notch phone. I have a feeling that those people are going to be really annoyed because if this <laughs> changes for the whole thing, imagine you've had this thing that had colors and that potentially show the battery percentage and that, like, worked in a certain way, and now you don't, and now it's terrible um, my other theory on this is that this is yet another, I guess, sign that like we're the, the notch is going to be going away <gasps> with the next iPhone Ooh. because why would it be going away if the number's inside the battery? Because it, it's still going to be showing that like on the screen, like the fact that they're bringing it back so you don't have to like pull down. I don't know. It's just a theory. I'm just, I'm, I'm just thinking, mm. I'm just thinking that if you had like the pinhole style thing, that that would, that would be better. Um, but I don't know. I feel like I understand they can't show the the depletion and the um the 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 percentage because it it wouldn't be readable. But you should, at the very least, like have some sort of color. That's all I'm saying. Like, well, it, that's
0: my question. Because is it is it not possible to have the number itself change color depending on whether the background is white, showing a full battery, or uh, depleted? And I guess looking at my top screen gray at the moment or whatever color it happens to be back there like if they can show colors surely they could also change the number colors
2: yeah i i mean they could change the number colors i don't know i mean i guess it'll it'll depend there it's it's a interesting like i guess like ux challenge um but but i i don't like this i I think it's ugly
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I completely agree. I I like the number. I don't know how y'all feel, but I I like the number in there. Just it gives me, I like that that precision of knowing exactly. Do I have fourteen percent or nine percent? I I, wanna, mm. I want an exact figure. But I also know, like, um, you know from from frankly track days, like good UI is something you can tell almost with your subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. Like tachometers, there there's a reason you have the red zone, right? Because you can keep your eyes on the road and mm. and take in that information like auditorially, but also visually. And if you're having to like look and stare at a precise number and interpret that number and then think about it as opposed to how full a bar is, it's, it's just worse design like inherently. So uh, I do not like this uh, and they need to change it.
0: Agree. Agree. And of course, this is just the beta. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, It it definitely feels like a a step down. But again, maybe it'll be like when they remove the number and be a thing that in five months, we don't even notice anymore. Such is the way of UX design. Sorry to all our UX designers. <laughs> Who are like, my work. <laughs> Notice it. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. On to our top story of the day. Unity has received an offer from App Lovin Inc. Uh, to purchase Unity for $20 billion in cash and stock. But the deal comes with a catch. Unity would need to terminate a, a previous deal that it had made to acquire, a, a previous, sorry, beheaded deal to acquire Iron Source, a company that acqu- offers monetization tools like analytics and advertising for mobile game developers uh so a little backstory on that unity has been kind of having an up and down year it is a uh it's a game development platform primarily known uh as being popular among mobile game developers uh it's right up there with unreal as one of the like main uh tools that people have to make games um They've been doing a lot of mergers and acquisitions this year, uh most notably uh with Parsec and Weta Digital, but earlier this year they made a controversial 4.4 billion dollar stock deal to acquire Iron Source, uh which like I said, uh offers like easier monetization and analytics. Uh this deal came weeks after Unity had laid off 4% of its workforce. Um and the de- the deal was criticized within the gaming community because it was seen as like, okay, like this this part of your business is how you make most of your revenue, but where are the quality of life changes for the developer community when it comes to using Unity to build games? Uh, people were pretty upset about that, um, and of course the the app loving deal which has not been accepted unity has said like oh, we're considering it i guess uh, <laughs> uh that would essentially take the place of iron source because they are competitors uh both iron source and uh and unity itself were affected or at least partially affected by apple's ios app tracking transparency changes um earlier this year unity had projected uh, a, a what what ended up being less of a big uh like loss of of revenue because of Apple's uh transparency changes at the closing bell today I thought I had notes about that but they they ended up reporting like less less of a loss than they had expected uh which is fine but never not you know never great to be like well that was less of a loss than we expected <laughs> it's still not a win it's still not a win uh with the app 11 deal. Were it to go through, Unity would own 55% of the merged company's shares uh, versus the deal with Iron Source, which would be just a whole uh, acquisition, and uh, Iron Source would become a subsidiary of Unity. Brief aside before I open the floor, (laughs) at the same time, Unity is uh, reported, according to Reuters, to be starting a joint venture called Unity China uh, in partnership with ByteDance and Alibaba to create a version of its software for Chinese game developers, uh, which is, again, like a whole other source of, of revenue for them, which is interesting. It kind of leads me to to really wonder what the what the situation is going to be with AppLovin and with IronSource because while they have not been well, while it has been an up and down year these are two pretty big ventures that that could potentially spell an upswing for Unity that wouldn't involve them getting acquired but I'm curious uh, primarily I think first to hear from you Brianna as a game developer who I believe has used Unity in the past Uh, What do you make of all of this (laughs) merger and acquisition drama?
1: well as far as the the like Chinese version of unity uh, I wouldn't read too much into that they spin off you know versions of unity all the time uh, there's a, a pinball table based on unity called multimorphic that I've, I've looked at it's just a and you know it's just a spin-off of unity you do that I would um it, it would make sense that they may want to like make a version with a lot of of common tools but I guess my main thought here is you know I, I definitely side with the the game industry Critique of this, which is asking, is this good for for game developers? I mean, I've said on the show, Christina, you've said on the show, we're mm-hmm. we're, we're not we're not communists here, but I think that there are fair questions to be asked, like, uh, you know this is gonna make the pie bigger i mean or make them like bigger and it's going to lead to more mergers and lead to less competition in this space where is it actually good for the product that they're doing uh, I looked into this and you know unity on a, a really really good year uh, might make uh, yeah, half a billion dollars i would think it was about 300 uh, million this year that it made which means at 18 billion dollars that's 60 years to pay off like i do you think unity is going to be super relevant 60 years from now. I'm Oof. not 100% sure on that. So, um, you know, if is this like a it's, it's really confusing to me cuz like the the unreal deal Unreal is used in so many other applications. Like if you're watching The Mandalorian, know that all of those sets are built in on Unreal, and like they, they're they projected on LED screens behind them, and they control the camera to like simulate 3D. There's all kinds of applications like that for Unreal Engine. They use it for military training. For, for Unity, it really is stuff like pinball tables and indie games and mobile phone games. So mm-hmm. I guess if you're interested in like the information Space around that, which a, a Chinese company might be. Uh, okay, sure, that makes sense to me, but uh, I just don't think this deal is going to be good for for game developers.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I can't really speak in terms of like what companies are seen as the value and in, in on Unity. I have a feeling that if Unity were maybe run a little bit differently, uh, there would be ways where they could they could make money because certainly, you know, you mentioned Epic, and you, when you look at the Unreal Engine, who obviously, you know, Unity has been hit hard by the fact that there is a kind of a, a, a free or, or less expensive, a freemium version of, of Unreal Engine. Uh, whereas, I mean, it, correct me if I'm wrong, Bree, but like part of the big af- appeal of, of Unity, it, you know, for a long time was that it was a lot less expensive yep. um, for, for smaller game developers to get started. And you could still do really good stuff with it. And, and, and I think it's still... A good engine, but ever since kind of Fortnite and and Epic kind of uh, taking a a different approach in terms of how you know their licensing um, would work for for their game engine, I think that some of that advantage has dissipated. Um, Having said that, you still have this massive user base, which obviously both Iron Source and Apple and uh, you know their competitors they both see value in, in ways where I think that you could definitely anticipate them. Doing probably pretty shady things in terms of of wanting to do things with user data and, and integrating in app purchases and and integrating ads and all kinds of other stuff into this. Um, I have a feeling that the, the money people are like, yeah, there's a way where we could turn on this spigot and start making this make a lot of money. Oof. <laughs> but 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 you know, uh, to your point, like is that going to be good for developers? I don't necessarily think so. Uh, I certainly don't think you know that the end product that comes out to, to users will be good. Although again, that would still be up to developers about what they would want to do, and, and the games that were created would still have to adhere to whatever platform rules there were. But it's it's just it's it's funny because I think that I I like uh, said in in our, in our our group chat I was like you know like. Um, you know, a, another terrible company makes makes a bid on Unity. You know, replacing like the bid from for the previous terrible company. This sort of, you know, and, and and like, you know, that's just my opinion. I, I don't really, I'd never heard of AppLovin before. I'll be completely honest. And then I looked into them, and I was like, not a big fan. Don't, don't yeah. really, not not really down with this. Uh, I think it's kind <laughs> can, of gross. Can you talk a little bit about what it was that made you go? Ugh. Well, I mean, I think the whole thing is just about the fact that, like, you know, their their main side is, like, grow your apps, accelerate your business, and that it's all about trying to, like, build and expand audience revenue. And it just really comes across as really spammy and really, like, the worst lowest common denominator, like, dark pattern, you know, BS that mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. don't like in apps, and that we don't like in in mobile things is a way, like you know, on, on their on their homepage, like on their landing page, is like you know, maximize revenue opportunity from mobile apps, you know, and 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 showing all their their different things. And I'm like, okay, this is the stuff that, that is, in my opinion, some of it can be predatory. That I think, again, like it definitely trades on on um, dark patterns and and just gross stuff. Where I look at it, and I'm like, this is. I don't like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not to say that you can't make a ton of money with it and that most app developers who are of, of any side of scale are not having to partake in some of this stuff because that's that's the world we live in. But, you know, I look at this and I'm just like, I, I, I don't love this. So um, I think that I also, you know, worry a little bit um, in both of these cases, you know, it's like, Okay, do it is the the company that would potentially be, be buying or merging with this or whatnot? like do they have the um, I, I guess like the the core competency to develop and improve the game engine and that mm-hmm. I don't I, that that I think is 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 not real clear. Like do they have the engine to make a bunch of money out of it by squeezing a lot of unpressed levers? Yeah, probably. Is this something where they would have the the incentive to actually improve? how the engine works. I, I, I'm not really sure.
0: Yeah. See, that's where I kind of, uh, that's where I get hung up on it is regardless of my feelings on the iron source acquisition, which I am completely sympathetic to people's concerns that like, this is going to make the, this is part of making the app ecosystem worse. For me, if I ran unity, I would much rather retain that Control and make an acquisition rather than potentially, I guess, open up my platform to control by a company that does not make a game development engine, that does right. not like primarily work with developers. To, to create games, uh, regardless of whether those games are monetized or not. So so for me, and the, I, I feel this way as well, just looking at it as an outsider, like, uh, to me, it does not spell, it's not very portentous to, um, to consider a unity that has been acquired by, you know, essentially an analytics uh, and advertising firm.
1: I also think it's really worth, Christina, coming back to a point you made earlier, and this ties perfectly to what you're saying, Simone, Um, you know, it's worth examining what made Unity successful in the first place. Let's go back to like the iPhone launch, that era. It's hard to work with 3D stuff, right? Like Maya is an absolute mess. 3D Max is an absolute mess. Apple doesn't have any APIs that let you work on that stuff. If you're an indie game developer, like think about that era. This is when Super Meat Boy coming out was really novel, right? So if you wanted to work with 3D tools, you were literally talking about just texture maps and fong shading on 3d primitives. Like that's where we were at that time. So uh, for, for at least indie tools and unity gave away for college kids, like to have a leg up with an easy to use system to get a foothold in 3d development you have a visual editor in there meaning you can uh quickly prototype things by like just stringing modules together to emulate code i've i've done visual scripting it's a great tool for prototyping um you know and that simplicity of the engine married to, uh, you know, really, really good documentation and a workflow for college campuses to get people trained in that to move into it. That's what made Unity successful from the beginning. Mm. Unreal at the time, that was Unreal Engine 3. I can tell you, this is where I learned Unreal. It sucks. It was (laughs) poorly documented. It costs an arm and a leg to buy. Christine, as you correctly said they moved to a different pricing model with Unreal Engine 4. Now, if you're making a million-dollar game, they're going to take a lot of that money. Right. But <laughs> for indie developers, they fixed those problems. The visual interface of that is drastically better. When you boot up Unreal today, you have five tabs. One of those tabs is Learn. You can click on that. There are excellently produced videos that will teach you how to do anything you care to learn from UV mapping to lighting concepts to how to do kismet triggers or blueprint. There is a a classroom literally built into that. So, Uh, Unity is really at, I think, a crossroads, right? What made it successful was this indie app developer, easy-to-use starting point for developers. With respect to them, because I've got friends on the Unity team, Unreal is a very easy-to-learn tool today. Uh, Unreal 5 is just carrying that work with Unreal 4 and doubling down on it. So it's really sad to me to see a tool that really had that indie spirit. Like, what are they doubling down on? Is it accessibility? Is it like mobile phone tools? Is it like working with really cool stuff like the uh, the um, the the panic handheld thing with the crank? Uh, no, they're going to double down on analytics, and that's right. just <laughs> such a dark fate for 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 this for. For what I think of is kind of a, a sacred space where a lot of game developers learn to do the work. So, yay capitalism! I, I'm sorry, this is why people hate you.
2: Yeah, yeah, I have to say, I, I saw this on on Hacker News, and and, and I, I I couldn't help but agree. Uh, I'm going to say something that that will shock listeners of the pod, and and, and might <gasps> shock you too. There had been talk for a long time that that Facebook or, or Meta or whatever would would buy Unity. I wish that that had happened. Honestly, I, I wish that that had happened. I think that that would be a much better use of, you know what I mean, like in terms of keeping kind of the spirit around and also ensuring that there might be some innovation. Um, you know, Unity already has their own ad product. Uh, so whoever gets them is obviously like whatever happens, uh, you know, there, there's going to be more doubling down on that. But honestly, I never thought I'd say this. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that that Meta or whatever would be a better steward than, than whatever is going to happen with it. Um, whether whether it's uh, you know like the Iron Source merger, reverse acquisition, whatever, mm. or or it's Apple, That's then
0: really it's it's a fascinating proposition that you have outlined there because I feel like the the backlash would certainly be very strong. I don't oh, think yeah. the developers would be very happy about no, the data. And, and, uh, However, I do think it is interesting because as you point out, like Facebook uh, was one of the primary like homes of. Games like Farmville yes. and things like that that went super viral uh and also is, you know, trying to create the metaverse
2: from whole cloth. Yet another platform for games. Well, you know, and, and they bought Oculus and, and, and ZeniMax, And like, you know, for you can say what you want to about those platforms. They've done well with it. And, and at least, I mean, I think that we don't have to like the company, but like I don't have any questions about their engineering viability, right? Yeah. Like it would also be the sort of thing where, if if a company like Facebook or you know Amazon or Microsoft or someone if they owned it and and there would be antitrust things around this but if if one of those companies which is more than likely why why Facebook wouldn't uh, attempt to buy it but but if they you know maybe tried uh, years earlier when it might have been a, a better possibility like I feel like that at least then you you feel like okay well there's some core competency involved in in the people around this mm-hmm. and. And that might also give the the company itself some leeway to not have to be a massive profit center, because that that's you know to to, to point if if you know you spend twenty billion dollars on this thing, you need to make that money back, and yeah. and they have to be taking on a lot of debt to do it, and so that means turning on a bunch of levers. Whereas if if a company you know like 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 Facebook buys it, they don't have the same. Instantaneous profit motive. They can take a long approach, where it'd be like, okay, we could get developer mindshare, we could have goodwill, we could have you know a, a base of, of people who are building things for you know our, our platform and whatnot. And maybe they don't need it, right? Like maybe with 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 Oculus and with with you know the various things they bought in that area, they have enough things and and their own internal stuff. They, they don't need anything like this. But I'm just saying, like a company, a larger company who's at least more known in the area, I could at least. Understand. A company that has a name <laughs> right right it's, yeah. it's not app loving i mean it's just it's depressing it's a pretty bad name uh thank you for painting
0: Th- thank you for making me see a world in which it would make sense for facebook
1: to acquire something
0: <laughs> i don't like it but i have to agree it does make sense
1: it would be a kinder fate than this i think we'd <laughs> all agree this episode of
0: rocket is brought to you by text expander when you work in a small team, every moment counts. You don't want to be wasting your time finding video conferencing details to send to a new client or perhaps your podcast co hosts. <laughs> you don't want to track down the same FAQs from the company website. These are the kinds of things you want at your fingertips so that you can get your work done faster. And that's why you need Text Expander. With Text Expander you can access what you type the most with just a few keystrokes allowing you to work faster and eliminate repetition letting you focus on what matters most to you. Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations streamline your team's work. All you have to do is type a short abbreviation and Text Expander does the rest for you. You just build and collect your most commonly used phrases, messages, URLs and more right within Text expander. Ho, 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 Then create your ch- chosen abbreviation. <laughs> and that abbreviation will be with you wherever you type. You can even customize the snippets by having them automatically add in dates, fill in the blank fields, timestamps, and more. Timestamps. Wow. <laughs> That's my job. This will make sure that you still keep the personality and the communication you send, which as you can hear is very important to me. Text Expander is available on any device that you use across any app that you use on Mac, Windows, Chrome, and iOS. Uh, uh, there are so many, so many freaking applications for this. Uh, I have to fill in a uh spreadsheet every so often, uh, with, uh, music track titles, uh, so that we can report like what music we're using in our videos, uh, creating a spreadsheet with the music title, like where it comes in, in the video. Um, and how long it's used for uh and that's definitely the kind of thing that could be so much more so much more automated if you have any kind of task that you have to do on a daily basis where you're just like monotonously filling things in and copying and pasting think consider consider a world in which this is no longer such a pain in your butt, Christina. I know you use uh, text expander in in your labor. Uh, is there one thing in particular that you like about it?
2: Yeah, I mean, kind of what you were saying—the fact that you can do boilerplate things. So, uh, something that I do is, you know, I upload a, a YouTube video every week, and I have uh, show notes, but I also have like certain like kind of boilerplate text that's in every um, uh, episode. And although YouTube does let you kind of like create templates or, or whatever with certain stuff, um, things that I, that I do on my show don't a- a- apply to everyone else's. So I have, I just have a text expander snippet to kind of include some of the, the things that I need to auto fill in. And so I can just type in a couple of characters and have that immediately go in, um, uh, to, to YouTube without having to like find the doc, copy and paste it or, uh, have some sort of template that other people who might upload to the channel will get confused with and, and, and will not make sense. So beautiful. Yeah.
0: If repetitive typing is getting you down, you need Text Expander. Check out Text Expander today at Textexpander.com slash rocket, and then you can get 20% off your first year. That is Textexpander.com slash rocket to say goodbye to repetitive typing our thanks to text expander for their support of this show and relay fm right let's talk about tech reviews ooh the state of tech reviews so luke mayani on uh youtube has posted a video just covering the state of tech reviews and some of the arguments that are happening within uh very inside baseball like within that community right now uh mainly the question of who reviews and products are for. so what he has observed are these like arguments happening between people where some people are saying like it, when you have a when you're reviewing a product you should test that product based on who it is for if you're reviewing a chromebook you're not for example running you're, you're not creating 3d environments on it in unreal and it's unrealistic if you test it to, if you test doing that on this device i know that wouldn't work but if you test doing that uh just to see if it works because like you're 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 creating a scenario that the device would never realistically be asked to do based on who it is for versus another camp, which like runs high intensity benchmarks and tests the product's limitations to find out where they lie. Um, Luke here has a perspective uh, in his YouTube video that both of these camps are incorrect or like approaching (sighs) the problem from, from an angle that he doesn't understand. Uh, He's Points specifically to coverage of the M2 MacBook Air, uh the, the latest beloved MacBook Air from Apple, of course, which is uh, a device that like has been subjected to you know high intensity benchmark testing that some uh, that that he himself has done on it, you know, trying out video editing on, on the device, uh, really like pushing it to the absolute limits of his performance, uh, which is something that Miami, uh feels he has the responsibility to do as a reviewer. Um, Furthermore, he argues that the audience for tech reviews specifically on YouTube isn't actually one that is interested in just what the device is for that the people who tend to watch those videos would be interested in pushing devices to their limits and like dissecting really the minutia between like w- the the slight improvements in this gpu versus that one whereas the typical i guess sort of more mainstream audience might simply walk into an apps or an apple store is the example he uses and say like all right the there's the new macbook air it's going to be 1200 dollars, and here's the old mac the m1 macbook air and it's 8.99 um and that one's slightly better but i think i'll just take the old one cuz it's mm-hmm. good enough for me um those people aren't necessarily seeking out bench benchmarks in youtube reviews and like going deep into the minutia of how how things have changed from one update to another so tldr he thinks that that's it isn't unhelpful but it's maybe interesting to the it, the specific audience that is watching those reviews. And it's interesting to me that this argument is happening within that community. Brianna, you want to say something?
1: Yeah. I just wanted to, I just wanted to add the reason, uh, I wanted to propose this topic is it really kicked off a, um, what I think was a really interesting discussion on Twitter, which is, you know, um, uh, when we review tech gadgets, I certainly think we do it here on this show too. We're we're really reviewing reviewing it for our own specific workflow. And, uh, you know, specifically the MacBook Air uh, M2 version of it has really, really kicked off this this debate um, because there are a lot of people out there that really want that MacBook Air M2 to, to be able to be a MacBook Pro, right? And they're trying to distinguish it and chop it down and say, well, this is over here for this, this is for that. When, you know, really the, the truth is these machines are used for uh you know for like these common work things we kind of like put it in the corner house you know it's slack it's email it's screwing around on Twitter and Facebook you know that's what people are using these machines for and i I do think that's a really interesting conversation like who are we reviewing these for um i I wanted to say one thing. I do have some criticism when he's saying like his reviews are only made for people like us, like people that watch YouTube reviews. I don't think that's quite true. Um, I'm sure you have people in your life, Christy. I'm sure you have people in your life that when they have questions about products, they come to you and ask for help with it, right? You're kind of put in charge of, of making these decisions for them because people like us, we have this amount of information. So I think by kind of widening that out, um, I think that like we need that additional context for people. So I, I don't think, I, I think all of that information is helpful, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, um, I, I think so. I mean, I, I agree a little bit. I actually, I thought that Luke's video was was fairly good. I'll be honest. I thought that the Twitter conversation, which started um, but by, by a guy who who, who I like, who I, who I think is a good guy, an ink columnist, I thought it was kind of stupid. To be completely honest, I, I think that the whole kind of digression, the whole thing, if we're being completely real, uh, and I'll just say it because I don't care, is, is this is just a giant subtweet at at the Max Tech YouTube channel. <sighs> And that that's all this is, and 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 that's fine. Um, they make money based on trying to push things to the to the limit and and showing things like thermal throttling and this and that. And oh, you know, the the SSD is, is slower here and there, and, and 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 you know, making like the most minute things seem dumb. Um, but they also do have like kind of their core audience of people who, again, I, I do think Luke is right. Some people who watch those videos and are going to that stuff. I don't necessarily think that's the audience that you go to if you're wanting like a good overview normie laptop review. Like I think a guy like Dave 2D who is amazing does really good work there, right? And 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 I think that that uh Marcus Brownlee does good stuff and then obviously actual journalists and, and and professionals who don't have um you know aren't like really worried about the relationships with the companies who are sending them things that they don't always disclose or selling as many affiliate linked Things on on Amazon or someplace else that that, that they can, uh, I I think that 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 is is different, right? But this whole thing is a subtweet at MaxTech, Tech, and that's fine. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't I don't I don't like all of MaxTech's videos either, but I do push back a little bit on the idea that we can't expect more out of an M two MacBook Air because it's called a MacBook Air. You're gonna have to bleep me here, Simone. But that's. F- because here's the thing. This is a $1,200 laptop. Most people, if you're going to get a, a not terrible configuration, are going to be spending, you know, $1,300 or $1,400. I'm sorry. In what universe are we saying that, oh, we, we, we have to expect that a $1,300, $1,400 laptop can only basically do what we would expect out of a Chromebook or an iPad? Like, screw off. Right. Like, I'm not saying that you need to make it uh, seem like it's going to be the worst ever or, or that it needs to go head to head with like the, the, the high end professional things. But like that, like this is the sort of like uh, sophistic, like Apple fanboy, like like administration's like, oh, it's not fair to, to compare it to this and that. Do it based on how it's used. It's like, yeah, a lot of people do want to edit video and play games and do other things on their computer and would like it to be light. Also, you're spending like thirteen hundred dollars on it.
0: I think increasingly, also, like in the age of video on every platform. Like yes, most social media has the has a built in video editor, but I do think more and more people like making fan cams and stuff on Tumblr or or TikTok even might be using video editing software to do those things. And these aren't people who are editing like thirty minute long four K videos. You know, they're working, they're doing like two minute videos with right. some fun effects on them. These are people who could ostensibly be using a MacBook Air to do those things. Totally. Um, so, and, and really yeah, well, so yeah, to your point, I do think that people with less high-end machines are increasingly interested in video editing.
2: Totally, and I also think that a MacBook Air, as as the you know um, things have shown, and as, as Luke mentioned in his video, I think that for most people, like I, I I've been very vocal about this. I haven't tested the the machine, but based on what I've seen and based on how my my you know fifteen years of, of Reviewing products and things like that professionally, I, I can I I feel confident in saying like I would recommend the, the the MacBook Air either the M1 or the M2 over the 13 inch MacBook Pro, um, because the the price is similar. I think the new MacBook Air especially is 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 going to be very close performance wise. And for a lot of people, you know, an 800 price difference between you know the the, the absolute like lowest entry you know MacBook Air and and a 14 inch MacBook Pro. That's substantial, so I, I think that um, it, it's worth critiquing, like what these what these products are and, and how they compare to other things. Um, but I also totally do understand, like I think people getting obsessed with the the dumb minutia of oh well this throttles here and this doesn't have a fan and this doesn't do everything I want it to do, like that does miss the point. Like you do need to review products based on who the user base is, but I also think that it can be fun if you have that sort of channel and audience to augment and do like additional content to say, well this is how we really push this, right? Like there's a there was a website for a long time, unfortunately, that the, the man who um ran it um passed away, but it was it was called uh, Barefeet's and um and 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 Rob Art who uh ran it, uh you know, uh he he passed away at age 77, but he ran it for you know, like decades. He would do like really good intensive benchmarks. Um, higher end benchmarks on on RAM and and graphics and processing across various Mac Pros and, and and you know MacBooks and other things. And I loved looking at that stuff. Right? Like I think that that can be valuable just to kind of as like a, a gadget person. But I don't think that that should be the the beginning and end of your review or necessarily how you should frame a consumer laptop. Like you shouldn't be like, oh well, this is trash because I can't edit multiple four K streams of videos. Like, okay, that's not what it's for. But I also feel like being like, oh, but this is just for for Chrome and 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 email like that that kind of misses the point, too,
0: yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is I, I feel like every reviewer, like like barring a case where somebody genuinely is coming at it with bad faith and, you know, giving a product a bad review because based on something that is totally, totally, totally outside of its capabilities. I think that it's okay for reviewers to come at a product like with their own mindset of what they would like to do on it. And like I like I if I were editing or editing, reviewing a product, part of my workflow as a video editor would be editing video on it uh, and editing audio on it and things like that. And I would be curious, not because I want to like prove that it's a, a weak device, but just curious to see how the things that I do would handle on that. And I think it's okay and normal for reviewers to approach reviews from their subjective perspective, because that's kind of what reviews are.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I I I feel like, I mean, I'm sure we all feel on the show sometimes too. It's like Apple puts out a new product, uh, like the iPhone. It's like every year, it's like good talk about the camera, talk about the new form factor, talk about the new battery life. Like I'm so I sick of talking
0: about cameras. <laughs> right?
1: I, I appreciate these channels because it's pushing it to the limit. And I find that fascinating. I love watching them pick it apart and figure out where the thermal limit is and what the cutoff is and how it affects performance. I, I freaking love that. I do also think that there is – I, I think that we're better today as an industry about kind of that, that like nerd condescension, like, oh, mm. this is fine for you, but I'll be over here with my, my Razer, <laughs> my Razer, uh, my $3,000 Razer laptop that I spent way too much money yeah. on my 30 uh RTX 30 uh, 3080 inside of it. You know, I mean, it's, it's, I just, what I want to see is a tech industry that, that meets people where they are, right? And and doesn't talk about certain use cases with condescension. And I think that's what I found interesting about this conversation. Uh, Christine. that said, I completely agree with you. Uh, if you're going to be spending $1,500 mm-hmm. on a MacBook in 2022, I think it should run Final Cut too. I do.
0: <laughs> One brief final thought on this, I guess, uh, based on what you were just saying is I, I think we also have to give a readers and watchers a little bit of literacy credit because yes. going back to the camera example, like I could watch a review from somebody like going way in depth on the differences between the iPhone and the Pixel cameras. And as a, a potential purchaser of those products, I can tell you right now They can go as in-depth and hardcore as they want. And at the end of the day, I'll be like, I'm not going to be able to tell the difference between these two things. So that's not going to factor into what my final decision is. I might be curious in hearing what they have to say as an expert. But I, I think I know enough to to know that if if I can see the examples of the photos, but then somebody is telling me like, oh, the pixel creates this g- garbage, uh, a
2: blue wash on my photos, I, I, I'm gonna look at it and be like, oh, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's a good point. And and I also think, you know, kind of to that end, like, I mean, you're right, I think, like, have literacy is part of it. But also, I mean, like, most of us who are enthusiasts, we we became enthusiasts because we read other enthusiasts writing or creating video or creating content around stuff, right? Like, Mm -hmm. when I started really getting into tech, I was reading, you know, really in depth, like, magazines back in the day, right? And I would read things where I didn't understand most of what was going on. The same with, like, audio equipment and with with video equipment and photography stuff. And, And, And then you kind of learn the lingo and you know more about it, right? So I think that that's also, in addition, like I I totally agree with you, Bree. Like it it shouldn't be a condescension. Like I'm going to be off here with my expensive toys and you peons can have this. But I do also think sometimes when you do push those things or at least go super in depth, even if you don't understand everything, that for a lot of people is their gateway to becoming enthusiasts, Mm -hmm. right? Is is because like 100% my life, like anything I've become an enthusiast about or anything, I've really like had to kind of learn from scratch. Like I, I come into it and everything's Greek. And then because of how my personality works, I go deep and hard and then I become an expert like relatively quickly. But that wouldn't happen if there weren't people who were willing to go beyond just the surface level. Well, this is going Mm -hmm. to be good for Slack and this is going to be good for email and for workflow, right? Like I, I wouldn't be able to go to that next level as an enthusiast. Now, not everybody needs to be an enthusiast, Right. But but I think that I, I just want to think about like bringing new people into tech like that's something I think about too because that is one of the nice things about some of these channels um, and and I'll also mm-hmm. give another shout out again I think Dave Two D I think that his laptop videos are they're they're my favorites um, and I think that he does a really nice balance between like fitting the two groups. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Set App. Getting things done is a challenge that
0: everyone struggles with. One way to tackle it is to make sure that you have the right tools for your computer, and that means having the right apps. A great way to discover new quality apps and get all the tools you need to get the work done is SetApp, a subscription for Mac and iPhone apps. SetApp packs over 240 high-quality apps into one. Whether you need to develop, design, or create, there's an app for almost any task, so you don't need to look in tons of places to find what you need. With SetApp, you can think about your tasks, not your apps. Uh, for example, one of the apps that they have, well, first of all, they have Clean My Mac X, which we have talked about before on this show. Great stuff. They also have an app called Paste, uh, so you don't like risk losing anything that you copy. I know I, I'm a person who will occasionally like put something on the clipboard and then be meandering around to a bunch of different places before I eventually paste it. And if you, say, have multiple things that you need to paste, uh, the risk of losing things is high. Stop risking losing things. You can just have paste as part of Setapp. Amazing stuff. Setapp has a dedicated curation team that only selects the highest quality apps. Plus, instead of paying thousands of dollars for separate licenses, there's just one flat monthly fee. New apps are added to SetApp regularly. Updates are free, and all the apps are full featured pro versions. Until September 15th, you can use the offer code ROCKET to get a month free trial. Head to setapp.com and redeem that code. That is S E T A P P.com, code ROCKET. Have a whole freaking free month to experiment with all these apps, get to know them, uh, juice up your workflow, and have a good time. Thank you so much, SetApp. With the code Rocket, uh, for your support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, our final topic of the day, hot new eSport Alert. I love this Here's so much. Here, Christina Warren. Last weekend, ESPN2 was broadcasting a bunch of exciting, exciting, interesting, offbeat sports. One of which was Excel, as in oh. the spreadsheet, as in <laughs> competitive excel uh, formulations uh excel esports all-star battle was a tournament and it was not the first of it is caught co- of its kind the financial modeling world cup has apparently been hosting such events regularly where basically excel whizzes will try to fulfill a task list as quickly as possible or get through as much of a task list as possible this espn2 broadcast was a like 30 minute cut down of an FMWC All Stars match, which turned a nearly three-hour competition into a tight, tight thirty minutes. Uh, of course, you know, with screen sharing, with commentary, with spectator or like professional commentary on the the functions and the the sheets that people were creating. Uh, Andrew Ngai won the tournament. He won a trip to Tucson, Arizona, uh, uh, to attend the FMWC finals as his prize. I I adore this so much. We should absolutely encourage more esports of this kind.
1: I love this. I love this. I love everything about it. I love the videos introducing the challenge. I love the financial modeling is this like a sport, like speed running. I love the bad graphics that they're using. I love the geeky people doing promo videos, talking with, with like the exact same way that like the fighting game community talks about like, uh, oh, you've got to go get the Nintendo GameCube controller because of the, 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 the C-Stick back from the, 2000s, like the them having the exact same people talking like, no, I don't care what people say. I will use my mouse uh, when I'm <laughs> using Excel for speed. I love everything about this. And I wish I didn't suck so bad at Excel so I could participate.
2: Curse to play only traditional games. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so, 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 uh, people who follow me on Twitter, uh, people often think that I'm trolling when I say this, and I'm absolutely not. Like, I think that Excel is the only true app. It is my favorite app of all time. I also wish I were better at it, but it is it is amazing. Also, it was originally a Mac app, so like Excel, like originally came out for Mac. So it's like a the it's, like the tr- it's like the OG Mac app. It's also I think it's the one true app really good Twitter account um, when, when, uh, the the account that I kind of credit with with convincing people at Microsoft to be less weird on Twitter um, because the whatever intern was doing the the Excel account uh, did a really, really good job for a really long time. But um, I love this so much. I've been aware of these competitions for a while. But the fact that they put it on ESPN, too, and that the people were, like, going crazy for it. And then, as you said, adding all the esports sort of, you know, like, language, commentary, and the whole thing. So good. It reminds me. Do you guys remember, like, when they used to do the spelling bee? (gasps) Do they not do that anymore? I mean, they still do. But they used to, like, when it got really big, like, ESPN would do, like, all day. Oh. uh, Yes, I do remember. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah, so this is, like, the exact same thing. Because I remember, I mean, this is me being old now, but, like, when I was in college… I would go. I would be at a fraternity house, and I would somehow wind up getting a bunch of frat bros like watching the freaking spelling bee all day on a Saturday. <laughs> and, and 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 everybody's like, "What are you And I'm like, "Yeah, we're watching the spelling bee, and we're watching Newlyweds with 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 Nick and Jessica." Like that's that's what we're doing. Um, and and but we, we literally like people who would think that they were better than it would like get sucked into the drama. Of, of, of the spelling bee, and, and they would watch it for hours on end. It was great. And this is kind of the similar sort of thing, because it's such a weird, nerdy hobby. But people who are good at this, like, I hate the guy, but Martin Screlly, the only good thing I can say about him is that he was freaking great at Excel. He would do these live streams, and you would watch him sometimes, and I would be like, bro, if you had just, like, sold Excel <laughs> courses instead of being, like, a, a pharma- douchebag well, like and now he could have been an excel esports that's athlete. what i'm saying so maybe he was just too too he was, early he was too early yeah but i i love everything about this and and i love that like i love that espn did this i'm well, sorry now this that he's is so out, good
0: could he become still Who? a professional excel esports uh, you know what, i think player. he could player? i think
2: he could like honestly yeah, here's the thing. I would I would put him on my team, right? Like, like again, still think the guy's terrible, but like if I were if I were recruiting like a, a an Excel esports team, he would definitely be on would my roster, him one hundred percent. To your
0: point, Bree, you were talking about like the esports apparatus around it. I do just want to say, like the the thumbnail of the esport the Excel esports All Star Battle is perfect. You know how in a typical video game esports players will put on their team jersey and take a headshot where they're looking like intensely at the camera. And in this one, everyone is wearing like their best suit and they're smiling very professionally at the camera for their headshot. (laughs) And then their headshots are all, you know, positioned around the thumbnail and it just looks, it looks so wonderful. It's so delightful. And I, I, I really do love seeing people be passionate and good at what they're good at, especially when it's something that I would not have considered for myself. Like to me using Excel, sorry, Christina. No, it's fine. It's a chore. We all all have to suffer through using a spreadsheet once in a while. Absolutely. Um, But the fact that that people, multiple people have made like perfecting this app, their life's work, that delights me. I take no end of pleasure from that. Right. So-
2: ESPN should do this more often. They should. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like I I I'm not good at Excel. I wish I were better at it. But like I watch people who are and I'm like I respect this so much. I wish that I were as good at anything as some of these, you know, young people are at Excel. Like it's it's stunning. Mhm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well,
0: delightful. Uh, you can catch those, those replays on YouTube and that link uh, to the Seneca piece about it will be in the show notes. If you would care to put on some, honestly, the commentary was pretty soothing. So I, I would call this uh, something you could enjoyably put on while you're, while you're doing your own work, perhaps on your own Excel spreadsheet.
1: Rihanna, what are you up to this week? Uh, I am working on something uh, with Relay for listeners. We are going to have a fresh batch of t-shirts very soon for you guys. Uh, we're really excited about that. Uh, we're, we're just two episodes away from episode 400, uh, which is huge. So stay tuned next week. We're going to have some big things to announce on that. Uh, other than that, uh, just to get real with you, I'm going on vacation. Uh, I've lost my mind staying here in Boston. I'm grouchy. <laughs> my husband is grouchy. The dogs are grouchy. We got to get the hell out of here before we just uh, before we go crazy. So uh, I'm going down to Washington, D.C. for a few days, taking a quick road trip and just uh, trying to cram some sanity back in my brain.
0: I really feel you on that.
2: Uh, Christina, <laughs> what are you up to this week? Yeah. So I am going to Atlanta. So next episode, I will be recording from Atlanta because my mom's birthday is on the 19th. And so I'm going out a little bit early. So I'm going to be visiting my family and and my nephew and enjoying Central Air. And um, so, yeah, so I'm closing up some things at work and then uh, getting out of here. So that's what I'm up to this week. Awesome. Can I say
1: something about that? I was so worried about going south uh, towards Washington, D.C. because we're currently in a heat wave. It's 95 in Boston uh, all day today. And I'm like, and yeah, I looked at a heat map of the United States and what it's going to be like for the next month. It's all screwed like that. Yeah. It's going to be like 90 to 100 degrees, no matter where you are, up or down on this coast. So uh, so it's not going to be any worse. Congratulations.
2: I, I'm just <sighs> happy that I'm going to be around Central Air. Like, that's not an honest yeah. thing. Like, it's going to be terrible, but at least I'll have Central Air, so. Yeah. I got to say, this Central Air thing, it's
0: nuts. I'm
2: in Connecticut right now visiting
0: a friend. Um I, I actually, I'm against it. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Surprising no one. I think it's Surprising kind of no messed one. up that I, I can be in this house and think, gosh, it's a bit chilly. I probably can't go in the pool and then step outside the door. And suddenly I'm like surrounded by humidity and heat. That's probably not good for us as a people. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I sure am sitting in it. Uh, <laughs> and I I like you, Brie. I just, I was like, whoa, I need to get out of here. <laughs> um and i i have to say your plan is correct because being out is nice i like having left home um so i'm just going to be enjoying uh the suburbs for the rest of the week i guess um hey if you didn't watch my video about horses it went up on sunday so uh check that out uh it was uh, riotously fun, and I, as I said, I think last week, I'm now anti-horse, so this might be your last chance <sighs> to see horses before I eradicate them from the Earth. Uh, oh, more no. on that, of course, in the video if you're curious about it. Brianna, where can we find you online?
1: Uh, hugging the last horse I'll ever hug, apparently, before yeah. uh, Overlord Simone... Uh, 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 knocks them off the planet uh, yeah, I'm you can also boot them into space boot them into space <laughs> fire them off to Mars uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Brianna Wu. and
2: hey, Christina what about you you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at film underscore girl and you can find the videos that I do at work at youtube.com slash github and you can find me on Twitter at doom quasar and my videos at
0: youtube.com slash polygon Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this episode of Rocket. I hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, sorry about my travel, mic; Don't hold it against me. In fact, hold it away from me by leaving a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. That's what the cool kids are doing. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. We'll be back with you next week. This episode of Rocket is terminated. Terminated. Terminated.
1: terminated.